Well, good morning, Radio Pulpit, South Africa listeners. You're listening to Radio Pulpit, 657 AM, and Radio Cape Pulpit, 729 AM, with me, Mark Penrith, and Peter Smith, your hosts this morning. Um, who am I? You might rightly ask. I'm the husband of Liesel. I'm the father of Caitlin, Catherine, and Thomas, and I'm a pastor at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. Peter. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Good morning, everyone. Yes, I'm Peter. I'm from uh, Pretoria North Baptist Church. I'm assisting Pastor Jock in his ministry there. And I'm the husband of Bridget and the father of a beautiful three-year-old girl, Emma, and the soon-to-be father of a newborn baby boy, Lord willing. Ah, that's so exciting. Table Talk, friends, this podcast. Check out irno.fm or Apple Podcasts to listen, subscribe, rate, and review. Maybe... Just to say, yeah, Peter, you and your team have been spending quite a lot of time and effort and energy on the podcasting side of this podcast. I, I listen to podcasts when I go uh, for a walk, a daily walk, and uh, I've noticed that the Table Talk podcasts have been coming through this year. Um, so thanks for the efforts and the energies. Um, kind of what's your plans and your ideas regarding uh, the podcasting side of things for 2023? So with regards to the podcast, the idea is to... to make the episodes chewable because mm. a lot of people they they enjoy listening to the full podcast but then they hear something that they think well i'd love for my my brother or my mom to listen to this bit and then the focus is to to get those bits those conversations those questions isolate them put them on uh, as as individual podcasts and then make them available to to anyone who wants to listen to them i mean that that's like super exciting stuff and it uh, will go a long way to making what we're doing on a Friday, um, exposing it to a wider audience as well. I think the, the podcast now will be quite um, uh, accessible when it's on each and every kind of conversation topic that we deal with. So thanks very much yeah, uh, for those privilege. efforts, uh, Peter. Uh, we are live and we're a live listener engaged show, which means you need to join the conversation. So if you're a friend of the show, you were with us through, ah, well, <laughs> the show's been running for years and years, but you were with us through 2022. Uh, you kind of know how this works. <laughs> we need your questions in order to move the ball forward. And so you can join the conversation this morning in a number of ways. I want to tell you how you can phone into the studio um you can call 012-334-1322 um, or alternatively you can drop a comment on Facebook. We're live streaming on the Radio Pulpit Radio Console Facebook page right now. If you drop a comment into that, I will see it here. Myself and Peter will see it here. We can read it uh, and we can engage with your question or your comment live on air. In fact, that might be a great time just to test that out. If you are listening to us, um, do drop a comment into Facebook. The third way, and and also like, comment, and share the post. Really appreciate that. I'm about to share the post to Central Baptist Church Pretoria, as well as to Pastor Mark Penrith on Facebook, uh, even as we speak. Um, the third way that you can engage with us this morning is sending us a voice note. Uh, that's to WhatsApp or Telegram, and the telephone number there is 082. You might want to write this down and save this on your phone. 082 657 
2729. If you're a twit, you can tweet on at 657am. Although I must be honest, I haven't ever seen a tweet coming through um, on the on the show dashboard. And so I'm not 100% sure if that's working. I think I tested it last year mm. and I can't remember if that worked or not. Um, if you're on Twitter, maybe just send in a comment to at 657am. We can see if that works um, and we would appreciate that. On the controls this morning. Pressing all the buttons, answering your calls is our co-labor in this ministry. Tulamu, it is uh, uh, Tumelo. It is good to have you with us. Uh, thank you very much uh, for serving us this morning. And this morning we are live, as I said, on six five seven AM Radio Pulpit, seven two nine AM Radio Cape Pulpit. We are live streaming a video to Facebook. That's the Radio Pulpit Radio Console Facebook page. We are on DSTV channel eight eight two Open View channel. 607 and streaming on the website www.radiopulpit.co.za wherever you are tuning in welcome it is good to be spending friday morning together with you guys we do want to hear from you i think this morning because it's the beginning of the year maybe we can kind of open our account of discussion around a general topic of family devotions um we've engaged in that regularly over the years and particularly at the beginning of the year it's a great time as people are starting off their year on a good footing uh, to talk about family devotions and how that can be done well um i particularly would like to talk even as we engage on family devotions um around the use of catechisms uh, in family devotions. Um, Peter, what are your thoughts on family devotions? Well, firstly, they're important. <laughs> they, <clears throat> the, the, the family is, uh, is the first church, it's the small church. Uh, and so as a family, worship should be a priority and it should be essential. And family devotions is our way of calling or, or labeling what what's worship well, mm. how we worship God the different ways of doing it uh, some ways better than others but every family is different has different dynamic but there are essential elements that all worship all biblical worship should have mm. and uh, therefore when it comes to family worship scripture is important praying is important and then we have amazing tools that help us in this, uh, what, you, what we call catechisms, as you mentioned now. And there's, there's a lot of them. There are great ones that, that families can use. Uh, and, and the goal of a catechism is to, make, to, to help us, not just our children, but even us as, as adults, to understand the essential truths about God and the Bible and yes even about us that's the whole point of catechism again mm. it's it's to help make uh, make the Bible bite size so I mean there are some very well-known popular catechisms such as the Westminster um, shorter and larger catechisms um, of of late I've um, used uh, with my children the new city catechism uh, which is obviously closely associated with people like Tim Keller um, and others um, over the last month I've been focusing my time and my attention on the Baptist Catechism, which is a very, very old um, 
compendium of questions and answers that really summarized the main teachings of the Baptist faith. It was created by a gentleman named Keach and is often called Keach's Catechism in 1677. So it's mm. got a really, in fact, it predates, for those of you who know the confessions, it predates the Second London Baptist Confession of 1689 um, by a number of years. Um, however, it really came into... Um, uh, 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 kind of prominence when it was adopted uh, in Great Britain in 1689 um, and uh, a slightly modified version of the Baptist Catechism. I came across it uh, when I was researching catechisms and uh, found it on Desiring God, which is John Piper's website, and he had contemporized the English somewhat in order to make it more accessible and expanded some of the the information, particularly when it came to scripture. But I've been very, very edified um, by it myself um, and am certainly promoting it uh, within the context of the local church, um, but certainly uh, 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 trying to use it in my family as well as a new mechanism um, to kind of give family devotions a more kind of questions, answer, engagement opportunity. Um, my son, who's the youngest member of my family, uh, is now coming for 10 years old. And so no longer does family devotions need to almost be a monologue. Um, it, it can now become something of a dialogue. Mm. And so a catechism, which is questions followed by answers, becomes a great mechanism to facilitate that kind of dialogue. Definitely, and especially for for children, because what I've learned is is our daughter is three years old, and she's memorized some of these questions and answers already, just by us repeating them. She can't even read yet, but because we repeat it to her before we go out or maybe before we put her to bed, uh, what is uh, what is our only hope in life and death? And mm. she'll say, our only hope in life and death is uh, well, Jesus. Uh, excellent. You know? New City Catechism. I remember yes. this. I did this with my oldest daughter when she was 18 in matric. And uh, on the way to school, we would uh, go through questions. What is my only life, uh, hope in life and death? And work through the New City Catechism that way. It was really a helpful way of engaging spiritually with an older child it definitely and they might not be able like for example my my little girl she's not able to read but she is able to memorize certain truths and i'm sure she doesn't maybe understand everything yet but the foundation is being laid already because she she memorized these things and as she now like last night we we read the first paragraph in the gospel of mark as a family just sitting on a bed and reading she's finally getting to this point where she's starting to ask some questions you know sometimes silly sometimes more serious uh, but i'm just so excited about being able to engage with with my my child soon to be children about the bible and these catechisms have been such a great help the new city catechism and in my one of my personal i, I have sentimental uh, value that i attach to it's the westminster catechism yes, especially yes. the shorter westminster it's the one i've been shout out to all our presbyterian friends definitely <laughs> it's the one that i've definitely been uh, studying and 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 using for devotion and memorizing the longest amount of time uh, it's before i was even aware the catechisms you know are a thing this was something that was given to me and it was just been life changing helping me to to understand and hold firm to the fundamental truths about of our faith uh, uh that's excellent well let me give you a couple of examples 
from the Baptist Catechism. And then a couple of comments have come in that I'd like us to engage with. Um, Question number one in the Baptist Catechism is, who's the first and best of beings? Now, in the older English version, the original, it is who's the first and chiefest of beings, uh, kind of simplified by John Piper and uh, made available on Desiring God. Who's the first and best of beings? The answer is God is the first and best of beings. And then there are four scriptures that underpin that answer. Isaiah 44 verse 6, Psalm 8 verse 1, 96 verse 4, 97 verse 9, and 1 Samuel 2 verse 2. The idea is that you get one question, you get it answered in a simple to understand way, and then you get scriptures that are associated with it so that you can quickly gain an understanding and edification of of what you believe it it really helps believers understand and articulate their beliefs and it's useful as a primer for kids and as an introduction for believers who want to know more about what baptists believe i can't recommend the Baptist Catechism mm. enough. Um, I've been working through it. It's actually available on our website, central.org.za uh, slash article slash the Baptist Catechism and uh, I'll put that uh, link in the show notes. And um, and as you follow through on that link, um, it, it kind of, um, what, what we've done is I've started to add comments just to uh, explain some of the theological terms that are being used to make it easier possibly for parents with young children to explain well, what is a being? Mm. Um, you know, a being is a living entity that has self-awareness. Um, now, that may or may not be helpful depending on the age of your child, but certainly if you're an adult and you're wanting to understand what infinite means in terms of an attribute of God, I've tried to, I've tried to give some definition support um, to each uh, question uh, and to the answers, and uh, I'm really enjoying going through the Baptist Catechism. And again, just to emphasize, catechisms are so helpful and crucial. Martin Luther is someone who wrote volumes, volumes, thousands of pages throughout his life. Yes. And sometime during near the end of his life, he was uh, remembered for saying that of all his writings, they can just throw it all in the fire, except two. His book, Bondage of the Will, yeah. and his children's catechism. Yes. And this is a guy who wrote tens of thousands of, of papers. Yes. You know, with, with, with a quill, with a pen. Mm. And for him, the children's catechism was among, out of everything he did in his life, the most important. And for, for me, there's a lesson in that. Well, Penny, I do want to say hi to you. Uh, Penny says on Facebook, which is one of the places that you can engage and comment with us. Hi, Mark and friends. I've not been with you for a few weeks, but am back and once again loving the broadcast. May you all have a great and very blessed 2023. Keep up the great work, Penny. I do trust that 2023 is a blessing to you as well. Christina Kern says, please send me the chronological reading plan. Thanks. Um, Christina, I do want to talk a little bit about scripture reading. Scripture reading is so important. We actually ended um, last year uh, talking about reading of scripture. And uh, we did mention a chronological reading plan through scripture as well. Um, And so maybe just to underline the importance, the real importance of reading scripture. I I saw a tweet this week. Um, A guy said, you know, I started off by listening to 
R.C. Sproul and to John Pipe and to John and to John MacArthur, but but they've introduced me um, to kind of like the golden oldies and uh, and uh, and I just thought of my own kind of transition and access. Um, I also started off listening to. John Piper and John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul and they did introduce me to the next bunch of guys that I started to read uh, and engage with which were Spurgeon and Edwards and uh, uh, let's just go with uh, Whitfield and they introduced me to the next bunch of guys that I listened to which were earlier church fathers like Augustine and um, uh, we spoke about Athanasius and uh, John Christostom um, which I thoroughly enjoyed and they introduced me to another bunch of guys who I like to call Matthew, Mark, Luke and John et al. <laughs> um, but, but in reality, nothing beats scripture. Um, whilst, whilst I love all of those names that I have just quoted, um, whether it be right near the beginning, um, reading guys like John Christostom, whose homilies are available on wiki you can go to the wiki source section of uh, and and read you, you know writings that date back to like the very very early I'm gonna go with 300 AD 350 AD thereabouts and um, but just a, a godly expository preacher um, and then Augustine and then the writings of Martin Luther and John Calvin and then you know the Puritans up to Edwards and crossing the great divide to Spurgeon um, and then modern-day heroes uh, Pipers and MacArthur and Sprouls. Um, I love each and every one of those men and they have contributed to my understanding of Scripture. But nothing beats the reading of Scripture because it is in Scripture that you meet Jesus Christ. Definitely. It's so important to, to, to listen and learn from other godly people what they have studied from God's Word. But listening to what people say about God's word is not a substitute for reading so God's word yourself. I'm sure she doesn't so it's uh, maybe understand. Oops, I pushed. I'm trying to reply <laughs> to a comment on Facebook, and it opened up our Facebook uh, link. So we are listening to yourself speaking. Sorry about that. No Peter. problem. Carry on as you were. So it's uh, when when it comes to listening to what people say about God's word and reading God's word, it's not an either or; it's a both and. But I think it's important to understand that listening or reading what other people say about God's word is not a substitute for you doing it yourself. You need to spend time saturating your own heart, your own soul with God's word. So let's just talk um, then, just very briefly about how to access God's Word. And there's a couple of ways. Last last year, we spoke about reading plans, and I have put into the show notes um, or into the comments on Facebook um, Bible Gateway, which is, I think, an excellent online um, resource uh, where you can go and find many different versions of the Bible. Um, I commended the ESV, the CSB, the um, New American Standard Bible, um, among others. And, uh, and you can actually listen Listen to the Bible being read um, audibly, even as you read Scripture. Excellent mechanism, um, and I, they've got a number of reading plans. And those reading plans include reading through the Old or the New Testament, a chronological reading plan, which is second on the list, and that relates directly to the question that was uh, asked or the information that was asked for uh, by Christina. Um, and then there are historical reading plans, reading the Bible in 90 days, in 40 days, the Gospels, um, and reading the Bible in the year, uh, it, and and many other. Options. 
options. And I would commend uh, BibleGateway.com to you. What I've been doing since December, it's different to what I said uh, at the end of the year, is I've got the ESV app on my phone. Actually, what happened was I, I started walking, Peter, because I'm like middle-aged now I'm 45 I'm, I'm putting on a bit of weight and uh, I need to do a bit of exercise so so I've been walking and while I walk my intention was to read scripture you know start at Genesis and, and just you know read through I get through about 10 chapters as I walk a route I like to listen to a podcast first anyway where I'm going with this was um, I couldn't get the Bible Gateway app to 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 work audibly and so I crossed to the ESV App, which I also have on my phone and the ESV app has Christine Getty reading the Bible in her I'm going with Irish Irish, yes. <laughs> Irish accent it is incredible to wow. listen to I mean I, I've, I've read I read through uh, Genesis in December I've been reading through Exodus um, I'm on I think chapter 34 of Exodus and you get to the song of Moses you know after they after they cross the Red Sea and you listen to her reading the the song of Moses and then Moses's sister Miriam I think goes before the ladies with a tambourine and she has a song as well and uh, Christine's Getty's voice actually sings as she reads Uh, well she doesn't actually sing but but it's almost you can just hear the lyrical composition um, in her voice she 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 really reads well and so I've been thoroughly enjoying um, listening to the Bible while walking together with uh, uh, Christine Getty um, using the ESV Bible app um, over the last month or so. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That's, I'm excited to go and listen to that. Yeah, tomorrow tomorrow on ION.FM, there's a segment that's going to be published. That's just a, a segment from your last conversation on reading through the Bible and the different plans. And then on that podcast on ION.FM, there's going to be a link to Bible reading plans from Bible Gateway and also BibleStudyTools.com. So if anyone wants to check it out tomorrow as it when it's published, there's a whole list of reading plans. Some of them so fascinating that I've even started some of them, just a Bible reading plan, reading through Isaiah and reading through the Pentateuch of, of Moses. And so I'm excited for, for you to go and check that out. Oh, that's, that's really cool. Um, from Bible reading back to the catechism for just a brief moment because John van Royen asks the Baptist catechism, is it also known as Keech's catechism? That's correct, the Baptist catechism. Well, first, Keech's catechism was the 1677 catechism, so it's a really old catechism. Um, it was adopted by, I think, the churches in Pennsylvania um, first, and that was in either the late 1600s or the early 1700s, and at that stage, it was adopted in a slightly modified format. So, for example, I think Keech's Catechism starts off with a question that relates to um, uh, to to God, whereas the Baptist Catechism starts off with a question that relates to the chief end of man, something to that effect. Um, so there were there there's slight differences. Question two in the Baptist Catechism is the chief end of man, and that's missing from from Keech's Catechism. 
but but yes, uh, for all intensive purposes, very similar, and both are based um, kind of on the Westminster Catechism. So you know the the Reformed Baptists basically sat, and uh, I don't know if you remember doing exams at school, but there was always that one naughty kid that was looking over the shoulder of someone else. The Reformed Baptists did that to the Reformed pe- uh, uh, Presbyterians. Um, John Knox really had a great influence um, on on both of those streams uh, back then. Um, Marina Combrant also asking for a reading plan. It might be that the reading plan was spoken about um, before uh, on a show before, but both Marina and um, and uh, uh, I think it was Christine, I will send that information. Christina, I will send that information to you via uh, WhatsApp as soon as I get an opportunity to copy and paste it. Jean says, hi Mark. Uh, Peter and team um, a blessing to hear you both sharing we pray the Lord's blessing uh, blesses the programs of Radio Pulpit this year and that many people will be reached thereby growing the kingdom and the listeners together with the viewers uh, where can we get the children's catechism for our grandchildren Jean Hunter um, Jean the best place to go um, will be to the Central Baptist Church's website, um, the centralbaptistchurch.org.za slash articles slash the Baptist hyphen catechism. Um, I have posted that link uh, to the Facebook page. It's in the comments right now, and I will make sure that it's also posted to the show notes uh, when the podcast goes out. Uh, Thanks for asking that, and I really do commend it to you. That includes the catechism questions as well as answers, and then you'll see I've I've got a whole lot of comments that I've made through the catechism um, in in kind of like a highlighter, just so that you can distinguish um, my own personal notes um, from the catechism, but I've tried to make them as really as brief as possible um, in order to make it as readable as possible Um, and then I've clearly designated the scriptures I will make sure that the scriptures have links on them um, before the end of tonight I'll go home tonight and uh, and make sure that uh, the scriptures link to a pop-up that uh, that uh, goes to the ESV or something like that that makes that easier to read as well um, so thanks for that question, Jean, and it's uh, great to uh, talk together with you on Fridays. I just want to say the podcast, you don't just have to go to rono.fm, uh, but you can go to Apple Podcasts. If you go to Apple Podcasts and you search for, I think at this stage it's Table Talk with Mark, uh, you'll get um, kind of an image of two questions uh, to to kind of like uh, the, to indicate this conversation that we're having uh, between ourselves and the listeners. Um, we can look at changing that podcast name to Table Talk with uh, with Mark and Peter uh, in this new year, Peter, as soon as we uh, can. Roxanne asks the question: What's the difference between a confe- uh, between confession and repenting? What is the difference between confession? and repenting that's a good question Roxanne and it points us to the topic of salvation which I love to kind of engage with Um, when you think of confession and when you think of repenting um, what are the similarities and what are the differences in terms of the use of those words Peter so the word confession the, the Greek word is actually the Greek word literally translates to saying the same thing. Yes. Homo lego, the saying the same thing. So yes. confession is... And that's where we get the English word homogenous from. Yes, it's the correct. idea of being together in agreement, in alignment. Yes. So confession means basically agreeing with God. 
Yes. That's, that's at the fundamental level. But now we have to ask the question, agree about what? Yes. Well, a few things. Well, two primarily. We agree with God about what he says about us. And we agree with God about what he says about himself. What does God say about us? Well, that we are sinners, that we are separated from him, that in our natural state, according to Romans chapter 5, we are enemies of God. So confession is agreeing with God about all those truths that he says about us, that no one is good, that no one seeks for God, no one does what is righteous, Romans chapter 3. And then it's also agreeing with God about what he says about himself that he is the God who is holy, he's the God who is righteous, the God who can by no means let the guilty go unpunished, Exodus chapter 3, but also the God who is a saving God, the God who is a merciful God, the God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be born of a virgin, to live in our place, to die taking the punishment for our sins on himself, and the God who rose him from the dead, and Jesus ascending to heaven in that same God, we need to agree with him. We need to confess, be in agreement that whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ alone, whoever trusts in him can be saved. Mm. That's confession. It's yes. agreement. Okay. Uh, but there also is a sense that we confess our sins, right? I'm thinking of the passage in James, which encourages us to confess our sins to one another. Um, so the confession of sins would be when we have sinned, when we have fallen short of God's glory, we agree with God that yes. that is in actual fact what we have done. We, we confess that we, that we have sinned against him in thought, in word, in deed, uh, and we make that plain. We, we, we come clean, so to speak. Definitely. That's, that's 100% on the mark. And yeah. it's something simple but, it, uh, simple, but it's something that a lot of people today struggle with, especially when, I don't know if you've experienced, experienced this, when you go and evangelize. Many people, they struggle to accept what God says about them, that they are sinners, yes. that they fall short of God. They, they constantly want to try, <clears throat> try and reach God through their own goodness or good works. But mm. the, God says we, we can't. We, there's only one way, through Jesus Christ. Yes. So uh, I'm, I'm, thinking of, um, I'm thinking of this idea of confession um, biblically, we see examples of that pos- of that positive affirmation, confession of who God is. We see examples of that in the life of Peter, for instance. So in the Gospels, Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Um, and on that great confession, that great profession, that great affirmation, Jesus says upon this, I will build my church. So that would be that positive affirmation that you were talking about. The second example would be of confessing of sins. And we see examples of that. For instance, as people came to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist, they came confessing their sins. Um, and we see that as a, as a prelude and discussed even before um, Jesus himself is baptized. And one of the reasons why John doesn't want to baptize Jesus, baptize Jesus is like, <laughs> what need? Well, you know, <laughs> what, what am I going to baptize you for? These people are coming confessing their sins and coming as proselytes into, into faith. Um, but, but you are the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. What need would you have for this baptism? And yet Jesus says, uh, for all things to be accounted for righteousness' sake, um, he will do this um, in close association with us uh, as humanity. Well, that's, 
that's confession agreeing with god in terms of the truth about us as believers and us as humans what then is repentance repentance i think easily summarized is a changing of direction and a changing of direction that starts with remorse okay meaning that <coughs> sorry <laughs> well uh, well, let me let me continue because I, I kind of know where you're going with this. When we think of repentance, um, we think of uh, turning, right? We we turn from our sins and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Confession um, is affirming that which is true. Repentance is involved with this turning around. It's a it's it happens uh, mentally, but it always results in a change of behavior. It's a it's a change of what's going on in our in our minds, but it's a it's a change of mind that results in a change of behavior. Let me give you an example of repentance, um, an illustration. I was driving to Cape Town a couple of years ago. Um, we left at six o'clock. So, oh, I was driving to Port Elizabeth. Sorry, a couple of years ago, we left at six o'clock in the afternoon. It was uh, it was late. We planned on driving through the night. So, if you leave at six o'clock at night, you arrive sometime six o'clock in the morning. You avoid all the traffic, and you get to enjoy the lion share of the next day together with the family so um, we left and around I'm guessing 10 o'clock we hit Bloemfontein but at Bloemfontein I was exhausted I was very very tired and so I said to my wife look I can't actually drive um, would you take over the driver's seat um, for me would you drive us and uh, and uh, and get us to PE but I said it's really important we you need to take the off-ramp the Craddock off-ramp or alternatively I'm guessing the I don't know what what's after Craddock the Middleburg um, off-ramp I'm not giving out geographic instructions don't follow me if you're trying to get to Port Elizabeth Um, but I do know that the Craddock one was the first one Um, and uh, you you need to take that that off-ramp get off the N1 and then take whatever national road it is to get to PE through Craddock and then on to Cookhouse and and those areas well, I got into the, the passenger seat and Liesl was in the driver's seat and I promptly fell asleep. I woke up around two o'clock in the morning and I looked around. Um, uh, it was a full moon because it was very, very light. And uh, as we were driving, I realized I had no clue we, we, where we were. I'd driven that Port Elizabeth route so many times. I, I really knew how to get to PE, but I had no idea of the surroundings that I found myself in. And so I said to Liesl, um, honey, did you take the Craddock turnoff? And her answer was, no, I haven't seen it yet. And I uh, did a quick calculation in my head. That means we'd been driving for eight hours on the N1. We were pretty much maybe <laughs> two-thirds of the way to Cape Town, um, kind of like next stop, uh, a Cape Town holiday rather than a PE holiday. And so what we needed to do was we needed to turn off the road. Um, we swapped seats. I, I drove <laughs> the rest of the way. Um, and we needed to turn 180 degrees and head in the opposite direction in order to get to PE because we were going in the wrong direction. Well, that's what repentance is. Repentance is realizing that you're wrong and then turning 180 degrees toward the direction which is right. Um, the, The action of repentance or the act of repentance is the act of turning, but it always results in an action that is consistent with what a person has professed, true repentance. Because there's two types of repentance, of course. There's the person who's 
two-thirds of the way to Cape Town who says, oh, I'm on the wrong route. I need to turn around, but then doesn't turn and continues towards Cape Town. That would be kind of what the Bible talks about in the book of Corinthians, I think. Paul uh, talks about in terms of a repentance, a worldly repentance, which doesn't lead to eternal life. Um, but there's another type of repentance, the, a type of deep remorse, uh, a type of, of, of heart cutting, which not only results in a person making the mental change but also results in a person driving in the opposite direction casting themselves upon the cross putting their faith and trust in jesus christ as their lord and their savior that was a very long illustration peter to give you time to go and get (laughs) a halls (laughs) anything that you want to add regarding repentance brother when it comes to repentance and in association with confession i think by now everyone has noticed that there's a close association there's a closeness it's two sides of the same coin you can't often separate them because one necessitates the other in a sense yes and just on that i i just quickly want to share with you one of my favorite verses regarding confession yes it's from 1 john 1 john 1 verse 9 a very well-known verse In the ESV it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes. And it's such a, it's it's a statement. John is making a statement based on a condition. If you do this, this is what will happen. And what what I love about this verse is it's kind of shocking if you take it to the logical opposite. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So the the opposite is that if we confess our sins and God does not forgive us, He is not faithful and just. Yes. Why? Well, because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus did. He already died for sins. The wrath of God has already been satisfied for all those who will inherit eternal life. And so if we confess our sins, God proves His faithfulness and His justice, that He is just, that He is righteous by forgiving our sins. And that for me is just such a a beautiful verse that just hammers on assurance. Uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for that, Peter. And uh, sorry, I made the same mistake twice in a row. One would have thought I would have learned already. Um, so... So, Peter, as we kind of to to summarize this, let's then bring the gospel in and be explicit. Friend, if you're listening in today and uh, you realize that you have not confessed your sins to Almighty God, that you have not repented, um, that you have not placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, then, then you need to hear this morning that you are commanded to do so. That God who created this world in untested perfection, everything good, in fact very good, um, that this God has been rebelled against, he has been sinned against, first by our forebearers Adam and Eve, but even down to ourselves. We have sinned against God in thought, word and deed and so we have separated ourselves relationally from a God who is holy and separated from both sin and from sinners. The bad news is that all of us are in the same place all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of our sin is death the good news though is this Jesus Christ came into this world and lived the perfect life that you and I could never live 
died a death as a substitute for us so that he truly is the lamb of god that takes away the sins of the world and now the call uh, and rose from the grave <laughs> in victory over death um so that we can know that not only has the price been paid but the price has been accepted by almighty god sins have been paid for friend the call on our life even this very moment is to repent of our sins to turn away from them and to cast ourselves upon jesus christ as our lord and our savior we to call upon him and those who call upon him call upon his name they will be saved that's the good news is that restoration of relationship with god is made available to man through the person of jesus christ our victor the darling of heaven has made it possible and so the call on you even now is to confess your sins to repent from your love for this world from your love for the things of this world and to cast yourself upon the person of Jesus Christ that was a great question Roxanne we truly do appreciate it um we we are going to because I'm looking at the time it's uh, nine minutes to go uh, I want to tell you as the listeners how you can engage with us ask questions or even phone in to ask a question this morning so get your pen and paper ready um, so that you can write this down uh, the various different uh, uh, mechanisms are, are uh, and by various different mechanisms I'm really talking about uh, um, uh, Tulamo is uh, I did it again I keep on calling you Tulamo sorry about that um, Tumelo is standing by ready to take your call uh, this morning um, so if you are listening in and you've got a question or you'd like to make a comment it might be about family devotions it might be about catechisms it might be about Bible reading plans it might be about confession and repentance it might be a question about something completely different you can phone into the studio live the number is 012-334-1322. You can drop a comment on Facebook. Our Facebook page is Radio Pulpit Radio Console. Um, and you can just comment anywhere on that Facebook page. We'll see it here live in studio. Or you can send a voice message or a question in to WhatsApp or Telegram. The telephone number is 082657 2729 I just realized I actually didn't put all of that engagement information onto the live stream on Facebook I will do that right now and so uh, that information will be available to you uh, in the next few minutes you're welcome to go there and you can check that out um, I do have a, a question or comment which has come through saying uh, morning family when you're born again you cease to live by the blood that flows through your veins the Bible says that if Christ is in you though your body is dead because of sin the Spirit gives it life because of righteousness and this means that the Holy Spirit gives life to your physical body because of righteousness uh, which is your new nature and then there's a quote from Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need um so uh, even as i read that 
there's this there's this um, um, uh, discussion in terms of the Holy Spirit, uh, regeneration, and new life, and the blood of Christ, uh, and then a description uh, of both the spiritual and the physical. Uh, maybe can you just unpack and uh, untangle uh, some of the conversation in this regard? And you've got six minutes to do so, Peter. <laughs> well, uh, that's not a lot of time, but let me just say the first thing is, as we should definitely realize that God made us in his own image and that means that we were created to be beings both physical and spiritual. We we're we're meant to have a body. We're meant to have a soul. And uh we even see that in the book of Revelation when God makes all things new, the new heaven and the new earth, what do both believers and unbelievers get? Now now that's quite important to make that point right up front that we are both body and spirit um, for a number of reasons. One is um, it's attached to eschatology, things that are coming in the future. We're going to be raised in a physical body just like Jesus Christ himself was raised in a physical body although it had properties that are outer worldly and so too very, very very possibly um, so too will we uh, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 mm. uh, we get this idea of, of being raised in a body which has properties that are unlike what we currently have but it also um, is related not just to future things but to the very start of life um, at inception when God himself knits a body together, he, he knits it body, mind, spirit. We might talk about soul uh, and, and, and our physical essence, our physical body. Um, and so right from inception, uh, this is a human being. And so it's important to, to not convolate uh, this idea of, of the spirit kind of overwhelming the mm. body um, or, or, comp- or superseding the body. Yes. Um, we have bodies and that is in God's design. When he created us, and if we go right to the beginning of the story, in the garden where he placed Adam and Eve, he placed them in human form, in, in bodily form and declared it is very good. Yes. And so this distinction between the soul and the body and this recognition that a human is comprised of both elements and will be into eternity to come uh, in terms of our resurrection is an important point to make. Definitely, because in the early church, one of the first heresies, one of the first false teachings that came up was this idea that everything that he, that is material or matter is in, intrinsically and inherently bad and that all everything that's spiritual is good and that's that's not really true as you just mentioned now when god created the physical realm the universe he said it was good and at the end of everything it was very good and in revelation at the end of the bible we see god god renewing creation god god uh, taking away the curse of creation, giving both believers and unbelievers new bodies, sending the unbelievers to the lake of fire and the believers living in the new heavens and the new earth. So I, I think it's we need to appreciate both. It's Again, it's not either or, it's both, because God made us both physical. He made us from the, the ground, the dirt of the earth, and then he breathed life into us. We are both physical and spiritual beings and I think it's unnecessary and there's a danger in trying to you know trying to elevate one above the other because both are good well 
both are good and yet one is or and yet both have been corrupted yes. by the fall right and yes. so we have these physical bodies that are living in a fallen world and that themselves have been corrupted which is why we get sick which is why we die and we have these spiritual realities that we've inherited in nature even from adam we've that that is that is corrupted then and, and so we seek to do evil uh, you know in Genesis chapter 6, we seek to do evil um, all of the time. Uh, When we get to Romans chapter 3, this this idea that there's no one righteous, no, not one, um, that that we have been corrupted in every facet of our being, we could say. Not necessarily as corrupted as we we could possibly be Mm -hmm. uh, to the nth degree, but every facet of our being has been impacted by the introduction of sin into this world. And so... And so there is a need, rightly so, and I I, I like this about this, there is a need for us to be born again. Mm -hmm. Because if we die in this state, we will be eternally separated from God. Mm. But if we are born again, if we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, if we repent of our sins, um, if we are um, regenerated, made alive, um, we have this promise that not only will the Holy Spirit indwell in us and will begin to change us uh, and move us from one degree of glory to the next, but we also have this problem that even though we die, we will be raised again. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection the way and the life do you believe this to which um um i think it was martha um rather than mary mary was still um at the at the house and mm. i'm thinking of john chapter 11, 11. um it says yes i do uh, you know this comes down to belief that that we will be resurrected in imperishable bodies mm. at the end of days and so uh, that all hinges uh, in the key turns on this idea of being born again in reality, even if we are born again, um, we still live out our lives, right, in, in this world. But yeah. now we live it out in a new power and Definitely. a new inspiration. What changes? God changes us. He renews us. He gives us a new heart. He, he makes us alive again together with Christ. But as you so well explained now, it doesn't change the fact that we still live in a Genesis tree world. The world around us still has the curse and it will remain that way until God restores everything. But we have those who trust in Christ, those who believe in him alone, they have started to experience that saving power of God as you now quoted 1 Corinthians from one degree of glory to the next. God has now saved our eternal existence, our being, but God is also the savior of the body, which we it's not something we will see in this life. But at the end of the age, when all things will be made new, God will, we will have resurrected bodies, glorified bodies, at, with which we can enjoy Christ for all eternity. Of course, part of the Holy Spirit giving, us, giving life to us is that he changes our affections, mm. right? And so we do live a progressively sanctified life in this world. I mean, that's part of what repentance is all about we repent of our sins we change direction um, and a good tree in other words our nature has been changed the holy spirit has been given he's starting to work on us we've been made a good tree rather than a bad tree Mm. a good tree produces what 
good fruit. And yeah. so we do expect to grow in righteousness because that flows out of the fact that we now have a living heart rather than a heart of stone. And so I do like that. And yes, you are right. Because of this, because we are born again, because we have the Holy Spirit within us, because we are being progressively sanctified and being made righteous, we can approach the throne of grace and with great confidence because we now approach a God who is no longer at enmity with us, wrathful with us because we are in a sinful state, um, an enemy of us, opposed to us. We approach a God who counts us as his children. He's our father. Um, we approach the throne with confidence, um, not because we are excellent or good or perfect, mm. because we're not, but because Jesus Christ is excellent and good and perfect. And through him, we have been counted as children of the Most High God. It is an amazing truth. Jesus is our confidence. Ah, Well, you know, I think that kind of brings us to the top of the hour. I do want to give a shout out to Wendy that's listening in on Facebook, as well as Llewellyn, who is uh, listening in and comes to us uh, on WhatsApp, as well as Pamela, who is listening in. It's great to have each and every one of you uh, with us. We're going to go to a song break to give us the opportunity to get some water and replenish ourselves for the second hour of the show. We are looking forward to your questions and answers for the second hour um, at this stage we are going to be listening to we shall overcome by andile and uh, look forward to speaking to you um, in the next few minutes but 7.29 a.m. with me, Mark Penrith, and Peter Smith. We'll be hosting you to the top of the hour, 11 o'clock. This is a live listener-engaged show. How can you join the conversation this morning? You can phone into studio. The telephone number is 012-334-1322. You can also drop a comment on Facebook. The live stream is currently on our Facebook page. That's Radio Pulpit, Radio Console. You can just do a search for that. And you can send in a voice note or type in a message to WhatsApp. And the telephone number there is 082-657-657. 2729. However, you engage with us, we are looking forward uh, to the interaction. Uh, bottom line is, you help us uh, talk about issues of relevance when you send your questions in. So, we are looking forward to talking with you. It's good to be spending Friday morning together with you this morning. Peter, um, I was thinking maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, church history, this week in church history. You mentioned to me on the way in that you wanted to have some conversation about Jonathan Edwards. Yes, so I want to ask you a question. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Jonathan Edwards? Um, Sinners in the hands of an angry God, which is like a, 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 a... pivotal piece of literature in terms of the American Great Awakening and it's uh, considered you know the heart of that period's writing definitely and now we have our 282 year anniversary of the preaching of that sermon <laughs> almost 300 years ago that sermon sure. was preached for yes. the first time which is actually amazing right but let me ask you another question If you think about Jonathan Edwards, what would you think his favorite word or words would be? (laughs) So I'm going to go with, 
uh, I mean, you would think sinners in the hands of an angry God. You would think of synonyms like wrath and... Um, uh, but having read a little bit more of Jonathan Edwards, I, I'm going to probably opt for things like love and peace and joy. Definitely. So, in fact, I'm going to go uh, and I, I tell you what. Uh, let me just extend it because I don't know what you got in front of you. But let me just <laughs> let me let me. I, I said love and peace and joy. Let me settle on joy, and I'll tell you why. Because I know John Piper really likes. Jonathan Edwards and John Piper's kind of Christian hedonism is all related to glorifying God and enjoying him forever and so I'm going to settle there but correct me if I'm wrong. No you're on the mark (laughs) it's fascinating that what Jonathan Edwards is most known for is if you if you if you've ever seen a portrait of him he looks very strict like right and stern and unhappy you know the portrait (laughs) like very much like the last Puritan (laughs) definitely and his most well-known sermon is titled sinners in the hands of an angry God I mean you just imagine this fire and brimstone preacher but if you know more about him like you you've read more about Edward and if you if you read more of his 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 all his writings his sermons his notes there are actually a few words that can take that can contend for the most used word in all of his written and preached vocabulary and some of those words are the words serve love enjoyment happiness sweetness delight and interesting, one of the words that appears the most is the word relish, not the not the relish you throw on your food, but to 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 love something, to to appreciate something, to relish it. And as I mentioned, I think a few weeks ago, I think it's a it's a word that he made up because I haven't seen this word in any writers prior to Jonathan Edwards, and it's it's the word happify. It's it's actually a wow. verb. Yes, yes. To be made happy. Uh, I think it's something he coined. I could be wrong. Uh, you know, I'm probably wrong, but I haven't seen it in, 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 in older writers than, Edward, than Edwards. How, how God makes you happy. To be happified by God. Uh, that, that for me is, is such a profound and a beautiful, beautiful way of looking at the world from a Christian perspective. Yes. Um, it, and it's contrary to what we normally think about Jonathan Edwards. And uh, I'd love to just read for us maybe a few verses that, uh, that, that we get this type of theology from. Because contrary to what the world sees, when the world looks at Christianity, it often looks at us as Christians as the spoil sports. We want them to stop doing the things they enjoy yeah. and then do the things they don't really want to do. Mm. Uh, but that's really not what it's all about. In fact, the the message of Jonathan Edwards, and as you so, as you mentioned now, John Piper just part, taking on and running with the baton is is the message. Of, of Christianity, the message of Christ and the Bible is that if you want to experience true joy, real joy, lasting joy, you can only find it in Christ, only in God. What the world offers you is a counterfeit joy. Mm. It's, it's fake. It's temporary. Yes. It's promising to be something that it isn't and it's wanting to deliver something that it cannot deliver which is temporary satisfaction but 
for those who are in Christ, they have a true joy, a permanent joy. And um, I'll, I'll read for us a couple of passages as soon as I can just, uh, as, as soon as we, we have the Bibles up and running here. Again, uh, the internet seems to be down for me as well. But in essence, one of the main lessons that I've learned from Jonathan Edwards, and I'm, I'm sure I'd love to hear your opinion on what you've read about him and, and learned from him, is that I can summarize Edwards' teachings in, in, in maybe two sentences. Is that sin is a counterfeit joy and that true happiness is found in Christ. Hmm. Um, maybe going back to how we started this show with the, the catechisms, uh, you know, the Westminster Shorter Catechism starts the first question, what is the chief end of man? Or to maybe use more modern words, uh, what is the, the, the purpose of life? What is the, what is the purpose of humanity's existence? And then the answer to that question is that the, the purpose of life, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And then John Piper, what I, I love about him is he, he goes and he takes that statement and he says that statement is true, but we, he thinks we can make it even truer <laughs> by saying that the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Because isn't that doesn't that really summarize why we, even as Christians, why we choose sin sometimes? It's because I think doing this sin is going to make me happy. Doing this sin is going to give me something that that I didn't have, and in in doing that, in in saying that, or in thinking that, we're actually saying that this sin is going to give me something that God cannot give me. This God is withholding something good from me yes. that this sin is now going to fulfill in my life. Uh, whereas that's not true, and and every true believer who has the Holy Spirit knows that feeling after you've sinned, right? That that crushing blow of guilt, and then you know it, it was fake, it was counterfeit. Sin doesn't give you happiness, it's, a, it's counterfeit, it's false. Mm. Happiness is linked to Christ. Mm. So for me, I, I mean, I, I agree with everything that you've said, and Jonathan Edwards has been very helpful um, in those areas. Um, in addition, I do like the fact <laughs> that when we consider all of these heroes, if you read a good biography, they will um, submit to you some of the flaws of our heroes as well. And as great as Jonathan Edwards was, he had flaws. And it's sometimes encouraging for me to remember that even my heroes, with the exception of Jesus Christ, um, is a flawed vessel um, and yet capable of glorifying God even in the midst of um, of sometimes you know great difficulty. Um, one thing that I like about Jonathan Edwards is much the same as Athanasius was like run out of the country four times, I think, um, over the period of the Nicene Council. Jonathan Edwards was also run out of his church. Mm. Um, I, I can't remember if it was once or more than once, but the the bottom line is ministry is oftentimes tumultuous. Um, people are can be very difficult um, and pastoring isn't an exact science and even men who are great and who can speak with wonderful eloquence or write with wonderful eloquence um, uh, sometimes have really struggle in terms of the pastorate and so that's a little bit of an encouragement for me. Um, I certainly have enjoyed those aspects uh, looking at some of the difficulties mm. and challenges that he has faced um, as well. I did post uh, to the comments on Facebook a, a short biography 
um, written by John Piper and on Jonathan Edwards, uh, which uh, listeners might find uh, useful in terms of uh, accessing him. Mm, definitely. We've got, a, we've got a question that's come in, uh, yeah, and it'll be the last question before we move to another segment of the show. Um, a question which has come in, and I'm just trying to get to it. I'm fairly certain that it was Janice who asked it, um, but I have lost... Um, there it is um, uh, Janice that asked it and, and Janice asked the question well first of all she says happy new year to both of you and be blessed this year thank you so much for that we do take that as an encouragement and um, what is the purpose or benefit in speaking in languages which one does not understand and clearly Janice is speaking of speaking in tongues and then just says thanks pastors Mark and Peter and I'd like to draw that to a kind of a, a conversation that we started um, last year it was related to an article which Sam Storms wrote um, and the article posed 10 questions to cessationists uh, those who don't believe in a continuation of the sign gifts particularly um, such as the gift of tongues um, and uh, he lists a series of questions um, in his article and question four we dealt with the first three uh, first two questions uh, last year um, but question four says Paul asserts that whoever speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God and he cites 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 2 and then says but if tongues are always human languages Paul is mistaken for speaking to men is precisely what human language does and so Janice asks the question what is the purpose or benefit in speaking in languages which one does not understand and I was I was wondering if we could maybe just kind of tackle the question um, as asked and then engage a little bit on on Sam's take on the language as it as it relates um, to purpose as well um, what would be the benefit in your mind Peter <laughs> publicly of speaking in a language which you do not understand the first benefit that comes to mind is being able to engage with someone and share Christ with them in a, in a language that they understand um, if I understand the question correctly what's the purpose or benefit of speaking in languages it's so that we can engage with people uh, if you if you can't communicate with someone there's no way that that relationship can be built or edified yes and so uh, I, I think of a quote from from our former president Nelson Mandela where he says if you you speak a common language you speak to the head but if you speak the the mother language you speak to the heart mm. uh, and not only is it beneficial to speak to someone in their mother language sometimes there's no other option <laughs> uh, yeah. sometimes there is no common language and to be able to to speak their language and share the gospel with them there is no greater benefit so so if language is given for us to communicate and to interact with one another, then the purpose of the language need, needs will certainly be in that idea of communication. What biblically would be the purpose of speaking in a language which you don't understand? Now, we see that happening, for instance, in Acts chapter 2, where people speak in languages which they had not learnt themselves, um, and we can take I think we can assume that they didn't necessarily know what they were saying at the time, although uh, in translation we were given that in Acts chapter 2, they were declaring the great and glorious works of God um, so that people that were gathered in Jerusalem from all over the world could understand what they were saying. That's Medes and Persians and Mesopotamians and 
Grecians, Cretans, and and such like. Um, And then in Acts chapter 14, again, we get this idea of, in the context of a worship service, um, tongues are being spoken. um, But what would the purpose be of speaking in a language which you don't understand? Is there any positive benefit of it that's given in Scripture? I'm going to say yes, but I'm going to give you the opportunity to answer for yourself. Yeah, I think I'll just make a, a brief comment about that. Is, is uh, As I'm thinking of the, the narrative in Acts, when they started speaking in tongues, it said they, they glorified God. Yes. They worshipped God. So that in itself, for me, is a, is a massive benefit. Yes. Okay. The worshipping of God, yeah. And And let me add to that. It was a miracle, right? Mm. I mean, they were speaking in a language which they did not know. This was miraculous. And that became a sign which pointed people in awe and wonder to God and really underpinned the validity of what they were about to profess. Peter would then stand up and he would declare the gospel message that Jesus died, that he rose, and that all men everywhere needed to put their faith and trust in him. And on that day, 3,000 people believed, were baptized, and were added to their number. So um, there was this miraculous element to it. It was a genuine bona fide miracle which was attested to everybody um, within hearing. Um, Let me also say there's a confirmation benefit to it mm. um, spoken about particularly when the 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 the, the speakers um, from Cornelius's household in Acts chapter 10 come to faith um, what happens there is um, there are Jews uh, that are that came together with Peter that stand and observe um, what's happening the, the the tongues that are being spoken and as they observe that these people are speaking in languages that they don't know their minds are cast back to Acts chapter 2 and when they stand before the Jerusalem council um, or when they stand before the leaders in Jerusalem uh, in the next chapter and give an account of what happened they say look it happened the same way that it happened at the beginning that it happened with us the Jews Um, the bottom line is salvation has come to a wider audience and so there's this miraculous element there's this confirmatory element um, and then there is, according to Acts chapter 14, I would say that the whole chapter is making the point that when tongues are spoken in the context of a local church in a worship service at that time when these gifts are clearly in operation, that there's also a communicable um, element. Um, because Paul is very clear. Look, when these tongues are spoken, um, I want you to make sure that there's an interpreter around hmm. so that Everything is done for edification. In other words, uh, there's a communicable um, benefit to speaking a language which they don't know, a real language known to men, but an interpreter who can interpret the great signs and wonders that the person is professing to, um, interpret that to to the congregation so that everyone can be involved in what God is saying in and through this person. Um, so that it might be to God's praise and glory. And then I would add to this, now I'm kind of like adding to this on the fly as I'm going through scripture, but I'd add this this idea of edification. It's been done for the common good of all people that are in that context. In other words, um, Paul is very clear in chapter 14 that if the language isn't understood by anyone, and if the person who's speaking it doesn't understand it themselves, they must rather keep quiet. They must rather um, be silent because there's no edification that's happening. Mm-hmm. In other words, the actual the actual words which they're speaking, which they don't know, which are then being interpreted, are, are, 
are given for the building up of the congregation. And so people are being encouraged as they hear God speaking to them through these people. Now, that does raise this reality. Um, everything that I've said is prefixed on the reality that the tongue that's been spoken is a real language known to man. Um, it all starts to fall apart if the tongue is not a language at all. If it's just vowels and consonants which are being thrown together in an illogical format, um, the whole thing falls apart. For a start, it's not miraculous. There's no sign which points to God that, that can be that can be awed and uh, that can that can cause people to marvel there's no communication because it's not a real language uh, and so there's no communicable element to this and um, not only that there's no confirmatory element because nobody around is saying gosh this is the same as what happened in Acts chapter 2 um, uh, this is marvelous these people are being saved in the same way that we were saved and then thirdly there's no edification that's happening um, uh, th 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 there's no building up um, of the audience when we read 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14 verse 2 we read for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Now Sam Storms, as I read the objection or the comment which he makes, um, says that Paul asserted that whoever speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but speaks to God. But if tongues are always human languages, Paul is mistaken, for speaking to men is precisely what a human language does. Is Sam right when he says that? Any thoughts on that, Peter? Sure, that's, uh, I've, I've never actually heard that argument before, and uh, I appreciate him bringing that up. That's actually a good argument, um, the, 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 that he speaks to God, and then what's the point? Uh, because languages are meant for speaking to men. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to throw that back to you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so look, this, I, is, I, I know this is kind of on the fly, because I read that question, went to this question, but let me let me say I, I, love, I do that's think that's a good question. I, I think it's I think it's great, it's and I, I think it's it's a it's an I do believe that Sam is honestly engaging with Scripture and trying to trying to bring up at least some objections that folk like myself need to at least consider. I would say that the verse needs to be read in context, so. Chapter, verse 2 of chapter 14 goes with the whole of chapter 14. It can't be taken out of context. And um, really, the reason why it has to be taken in context is because the sentence starts with a four. I'm just guessing it's a, it's a, it's a God, it's a conjunction. It, it joins this verse with what came before. And what came before was this idea of, friends, you need to pursue love. And love was the whole context of chapter 13. Um, love as a gift being a superior gift. And we're going to talk about tongues again um, as it relates to chapter 13, because Sam brings that up later, um, not today, but possibly next week. Um, but he says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, here's the context. He said, guys, prophecy. Now, what, what is prophecy uh, in chapter 14? Well, prophecy would be foretelling or foretelling, um, and we're going to clarify that in the weeks to come. Um, but it's the idea of a person with authority standing before God's people and speaking on behalf of God. Um, and he's saying, you need to desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Now, verse 2 comes in 
straight after this, you've just had an elevation of the gift of prophecy. And now, instead of an elevation of the gift of tongues, what you have is the gift of tongues being set against prophecy in terms of its priority. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the spirit. Now, verse two mm. doesn't just sit with verse one. Yeah. So, you've first of all you've got this 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 uh, separation between spiritual gifts. You've got the elevation of prophecy, and now you've got tongues set in uh, in in alignment with prophecy under prophecy. But he continues from verse three on to verse five, explaining that tongues, when it's done for personal edification only, <laughs> would be a far inferior gift to prophecy in the context of a corporate worship service because prophecy is given for the edification of everyone and so in verse 3 he goes on to say on the other hand the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up but the one who prophesies builds up the church now i want you all to speak in tongues but even more to prophesy the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church might be built up. And so maybe to respond mm. to Sam in love, because I think it's a great question, um, I would say that that verse must be understood in the context of verse 1 to 5. And verse 1 to 5 is making the point that prophecy is more beneficial in the worship service than an individual speaking in a tongue which only he can understand. In which case, you be, be silent <laughs> at that point. And he's going to make that point later on. That's kind of his rolling idea as he goes through this chapter. Um, that everything in the worship service needs to be done for edification. Friends, we're gonna we're gonna have to put the pause mm-hmm. button at that point because at this stage I, I do want to bring in um, a friend from a local church, um, Glenn Williams, um, and speak about um, about a local church and and how things are going uh, in the context of a local church. Glenn, are, are you with us at the moment, brother? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> it's good to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning. And um, am I right in saying that you are on together with Jacques Blicknot? Correct, yeah. Uh, it's good to have both of you with us. Thanks for joining us, guys. So our our intention is each week to speak to a, a, a pastor or to speak to um, friends that are on the coal face that are in local churches, uh, give the opportunity of them to um, uh, engage with the listening audience um, and give uh, the listening audience the opportunity to hear how things are going in local churches. Um, so to that end, last year we had uh, two friends. We had um, um, the church in Mamelodi together with uh, Free State Bible Church. with Free State Bible Church, uh, and we listened how things were going there, and uh, listened to the ministry, and uh, we were really encouraged as we spoke to them. Um, this was an open invitation to a number of churches, Glenn, and thank you so much uh, for uh, replying to it. Um, maybe you know just to uh, begin by asking the question to the two of you, um, who you are, um, uh, you introduce yourself to the audience so that they know who they're speaking to, and uh, and introduce your local church to us. Okay, I'll, I'll start. <laughs> Hi, Mark. Sure. Hi, it? It's good to hear from you, Jacques. I hope you guys are well. Yeah, we will. Um, well. Thank you. 
<laughs> so I'm Jacques Blichnot. I'm one of the elders at Edenville Community Church. Uh, we're still a young church. We're only about a year and a couple of months old. Um, also a small church. We meet um, at a nursery school called Ready, Steady, Grow on Terrace Road in hey, Edenville. Hey man, that sounds like a modern church name. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so we meet at a nursery school at, at 9.30 on Sunday mornings. Um, and, yeah, so we're still quite a small church, but we, we're slowly growing. Um, we have people from, like, 85 to as young as, as uh, one year old. Um, and, yeah, we're just a, a loving community in Edenville that just hopes to share Christ's love with our community and to uh, be a blessing to the community as God has been a blessing to our church. Oh, that's great. Now, now Jacques, yourself and uh, Glenn, maybe you also just want to introduce yourself as uh, as uh, uh, as individuals and, and what is your relationship or uh, what function do you play within the context of the local church? Okay, so I'm I'm one of the elders um, at Edenville Community Church, and and uh, Glenn has joined us recently as I I suppose as a moderator, Glenn, or what would you? How would you? Yeah. yeah Simply. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and and in terms of in terms of elders, I'm like really pro um, plurality of elders. Um, how many elders do you have? It. I mean, you say you're a, you're a year old. Um, it's great to hear that a church that's a year old and you described yourself as a as a small community um, has a plurality of elders. How many elders do you have? Um, and uh, uh, yeah. So already, already, even as a as a young church, a lot has happened in the year uh, that has that has passed. Um, we started out. We we firmly believe in the uh, plural. plural Plurality of elders. Fine, nobody um, can say that word. <laughs> and um, we started off with four elders, but in the year, two of them have already left. Uh, they were called to to other churches. One of them was called as a worship pastor to Hillcrest Baptist, and uh, the other was called to, a, to another church, um, local church here in Joburg. Um, and so, right now, we're only actually two elders. But John, uh, Glenn has joined us recently um, as a moderator. And so myself and the other elder, John McKenzie, we rely quite a lot on, on Glenn's wisdom. And we're so blessed to have Glenn as part of our, of our church at the moment. He uh, takes most of the preaching duties and he's just such a wise, such a wise guy. Hey, man, I've known, how- I've known Glenn for years. <laughs> so I, I think I, I first met him. Uh, at the time, you were probably attending uh, Grace uh, Community Church, not mm. oh, yeah, Grace Grace Church in uh, in Germiston, and uh, I met you as I interacted with Will Tate, and uh, and then you and I uh, were very involved in an expositors forum on the East Rand, and uh, I've 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 been engaging with Glenn for uh, I, I'm guessing Glenn about twelve years plus, um, well, or in that region. Yeah, probably around about 10, 12 years ago. I think we met at a resolution conference. Uh, ah, in you're right. Was it? That might have been even, it might have yeah. even been longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Would yeah. you uh, would you mind telling us what what are you currently preaching through at your church and, and why you decided to, to preach through that book or topic? Okay, at the moment we're busy preaching through the, the book of Nehemiah. We started in November 
Um, I, because I started basically moderating in November, I inherited the book. Um, so I don't know the full uh, reason behind it, but I think because of it being a new church and because of the changes with elders leaving, building the walls. Uh, it's a good book, good <laughs> book with the theme of, of building and, and, and leadership. So it was, it's a good book to encourage the congregation. Uh, what one of the ladies said to me, or actually said to my wife a few weeks ago, she said, I think I'm going to learn more about myself from this book than the, than the man Nehemiah himself. Because <laughs> it is, it's one of those books that challenges uh, who you are and, and how you interact with people and leadership and building and all of those kind of things. Where's, so, yeah, it's rather appropriate for the church. Where, the where, where's about are you in the book at the moment, Glenn? Well, uh, Jacques going to be preaching chapter three this Sunday. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's where we are now. Yeah. Well, since you you inherited the book, I'm I'm curious to know what type of resources are you using in in your preparation, and um, how does your preparation look? Well, for me, my, I, I I spend majority of my time just actually in the text. So I study the text uh, using original languages and various translations. So I generally use like the ESV, the New American Standard, uh, New King James sometimes, King James. So I, I tend to spend most of my time and most of my week just looking at the text. And then as I do so, I do word studies. So I use lexicons and things like that. Uh, a book like Nehemiah, obviously, you need, need to know the historical and cultural context. So I spend some time looking at various sources on that. Uh, so uh, maybe like a Bible background commentary type of thing, like the NIV or the, the Zondervan Bible background commentaries. And then once I've, and, and sometimes I diagram the text, uh, especially when it comes to the didactic passages and things like that. So I, I spend majority of my time just in the text before I even go to any commentaries and other sources like that. And just to make sure I understand the flow of the text, uh, the main lesson that is coming from the text, because I believe scripture is, is understandable. Yeah, there are some technical things and maybe you need to do a little bit dig deeper in, in some other things like words and, and theological things like that. But um, I, I just like to just spend time in the text, make sure I understand it. And then once I've got the main lesson or the principle from the text, I then take it through the light of the rest of Scripture. So it, is it consistent with the teachings of Scripture? What other texts and things like that are, are important that I know of? Uh, does the cross change anything? Uh, how is Christ? How is it fulfilled in Christ, and those kinds of things, and and then at that point is when I start to bring in other commentaries. So I, I use commentaries like maybe the New American Commentary, the Reformed Expository Commentary, uh, sometimes the Expositors Commentary, uh, or depending on, on on what's available and who the authors are, the particular books that I'm looking at. So at the moment, I've been using the the New American and the Reformed Expository Commentary for for Nehemiah, um, and then from there I just uh, apply the text. Uh, I like to use um, modern illustrations and applications that are relevant to the people. So I tend not to uh, take things from applicatory type commentaries and things like that, because I like to keep it relevant to the people that I'm speaking to. And yeah, that, that's that's my basic process in a nutshell. But I spend probably about four days just meditating on the text, making sure I understand the flow and, and, and all of that, and before I even consult anybody else. Glenn Jacques, both of you, I mean, neither of you are full-time. So, Glenn, uh, I, I know you're at uh, Mukanyo Theological College. Maybe you want to talk about that a little bit later. Um, Jacques, I'm actually making an assumption that you're not full-time. Um, but I, I, have a, I have a heart for guys that, uh, that, that are, are working hard 
um, in day-to-day life and yet serving the church in an elder format. I, I, I planted at uh, Crystal Park a number of years ago and had to work uh, full-time for, for a number of years before I could go full-time into the ministry. It, it's really, really, really difficult. How do you guys find the time even to prep? <laughs> and to and to be able to stand before a congregation and say, "Thus saith the Lord." Well, yeah. So I'm I am not full time. Um, I'm actually an actor by profession. Um, so so that gives me a little bit more time. Um, our other elder John McKenzie has quite a like he has a full time proper job that that he needs to invest quite a lot of his time. So it's it's. It's difficult uh, mm. to find time. Also, you know, with your job and uh, your wife and your kids, um, but you just—I mean—you have to—you have to make time. I'm lucky in that my my job is more flexible, so you know I have time to do uh, other elder responsibilities like visitations and checking that everything's ready for the for the service. Um, and then, yeah, when I'm when I'm preaching, luckily I don't I don't preach uh, weekly or even like. Uh, bi-monthly uh, so I I have a lot of time to to prep um, for when I when I preach you know once a month sure um, but as far as yeah as far as Glenn goes I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Glenn how about but, you, yeah, you just, uh, I, I mean because obviously you take preaching very very seriously I, I mean I know you so I, I know that preaching is important to you um, how, how how much time do you get to spend uh, on sermon preparation? How, how long does it take you to prep a sermon? Well, because well, I spend a lot of my time just more musing and thinking about the text as I, during the week. I start like maybe two weeks before, just making sure I know what what lies ahead with the text. Uh, read through the text because you're working through a book. I, you know, I've obviously read through the book uh, sure. and read the, the necessary text several times. So I spend a lot of my time maybe thinking in the evenings after after supper, that kind of thing. I spend an hour or so just going through a little bit more of the text and, and reading up it when I get to that point where I'm using commentaries. And then I spend probably uh, a Saturday is, is the day I set aside to do all the final final preparation of the sermon. So usually by lunchtime on the Saturday my sermon's ready the manuscript is fully written uh, and then so it's just a matter of then tweaking it and and going over it making sure I'm familiar with it um, and so I would say overall time-wise it takes me to prepare a sermon uh, that I'm fully happy with it would probably be about 20 hours in, in a week and believe it or not I find the time even though I'm lecturing and managing other things here with Makanya I still uh, Somehow I managed to find the time. Don't ask me where it comes from, but it's there. Okay. So, so Jacques, maybe this is aimed at you a little bit. Um, where's God at work in your community? Um, uh, like either the church or the city? Um, yeah. Uh, what's going well or what are you guys struggling with? So, so we're in, in quite a, in quite a, um, a, a diverse uh, community where there's, you know, a lot of wealthy people, but also a lot of, a lot of, People, you know, are not so well off coming in uh, to work at businesses um, in the area, and you know, there's always there's always needs in in any community, and we've been we've been lucky enough that we were able to help uh, quite recently one of the one of the popular restaurants in our in our area, Fahrenheit, burned down, mm. and so in the process of them rebuilding it, uh, their employees were struggling a little bit because they didn't have jobs 
because there was nowhere to go to. So we were able to encourage them pastorally, but we were also able to help them out with food parcels, uh, which was really great. Sure. Um, and then I recently made a connection with, with a pastor from a local um, uh, informal settlement. And he's also, you know, he's trying to, to run a small church there, but he's also got a crash there. Uh, and and they, they really struggle. And we've been lucky enough as a church to be able to help them out as well. And also to encourage him because um, um, he he is a pastor of a church there. And we're trying to help him uh, uh, get some more some more training as a pastor uh, and also to co- keep encouraging him to keep doing the work that is that is doing in the area we are a very missional church so so missions are very important to us we do have um, a missions ministry as well uh, we we support um, missionaries that we that we know uh, and but we're also trying to to, to continue to expand um, in in that regard, and then we 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 also would love to do m- much more evangelism uh, in the community. It's just because we're still such a young church, and we're still kind of still also trying to find our feet. Um, the difficulty is trying to balance between uh, still taking care of our our church uh, community, um, but then also we we're trying to look at how we can can work more to. To reach uh, a community, unbelievers in the community, and, and invite them to church. So yeah, we're trying to find a balance still between you know taking care of our own mm. church community, but then also trying to evangelize and 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 carry on supporting uh, missions, local missions. Thanks, Shock. Hey, Glenn. Uh, I don't know if you want to maybe just make a pitch for Makanyo Theological College since since we got you on. Um, but uh, I know that that's the other hat that you wear. Uh, maybe you want to just put it on for a, just a minute or two and, and tell people why they should be um, engaged in theological education in 2023. It, it kind of links off what Jacques said in terms of uh, reaching out to a pastor and, and figuring out how to equip people. But there's lots of folk out there that would like to be equipped. Um, why is Mukanyo uh, one of the places that they should be pursuing? Well, there's several reasons, but let me just start off with a, with a statistic that is very scary, just to highlight the importance of theological education. Uh, globally, the statistics are that only 5% of pastors have received formal theological training. And that, that's a scary statistic. And it says, what are the other, basically it means, what are the other 95% of the pastors actually teaching? And there's, a, there's, a, there's an idea out there, no, we don't need theological training. We, the Holy Spirit will tell us all these things. and. Uh, bring all of this mystical type stuff into it. Uh, but the reality is, is a lot of people don't know, even know how to handle God's work. They don't know. You, you see, we see some of the, the questions people answer when it comes to, uh, they enroll and they want to register and their, their knowledge of the Bible. They, they don't know the basics. Uh, they don't even know the order of the books of the Bible and things like that. And yet they're standing behind a pulpit every Sunday. So there is a definite need for theological training out there. And it's not just for those who are entering full-time ministry. It's for those who are Sunday school teachers, those who are running men's ministries, Bible mm. studies, elders. missions, whatever it may be. Elders, definitely, yeah. Um, there, there, there is a need, and, and elders should be able to teach. And if they can't, if they don't know, they can't teach. So there's a need out there. And so my encouragement is that it's for the local churches to get involved in supporting local theological education here in South Africa. 
Uh, one of the things with Makanya is that we very contextual. It's, it's very African in terms of the content and in terms of the application that we do. Uh, we're also local. We don't only have our main campuses. Uh, we've got campuses in Kwamplunga, uh, Pretoria, Johannesburg, Durban, and Rustenburg. We also have what we call local learning. We're a local church or a missionary or organization, ministry organization can start up a bit of a, a Bible college, you could say, on the premises and use our high certificate material, which is fully accredited, that they, they can equip their pastors and equip their elders or people in the local community. There's also an unaccredited program, which is just for general training. It's, it's, it's aimed at those that don't even have a matric. So even that, that level of people can actually get some equipping to be, to be involved in the ministry. Uh, so, yeah, it's the, the need is out there, uh, and we're here trying to, to fill that gap, and there's definitely a, there's a need for more institutions. I just want to encourage local churches to get involved, support students, support uh, educational institutions like ourselves, uh, because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, and even the workers that are there are not necessarily trying to do the work that they're called to do. Brother, maybe in closing, just one brief statement. How exactly where should people go if they like listen to you? The spirit has moved their hearts and they are like, I want to do some training in 2023. Is it too late to enroll? No, they can still enroll and our local learning, they can enroll. There's three opportunities through the year that they can enroll for to do it locally. If there's a church that is interested, they can contact me. Uh, they can go to our website, makanyo.ac.za. That's M-U-K-H-A-N-Y-O. .ac.za Like uh, no one's going to spell it right on. Google will correct you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I spell it wrong now and then Don't worry uh, So it's Yeah I have put your link there. I have put your link into uh, The comments uh, Underneath uh, um, uh, Underneath the live stream At the moment on, on Facebook Oh, thanks. Um, hey, yeah, well, uh, maybe just to well, say that. So, so from from Facebook, I, I just see that Roland Eskenazi says, uh, uh, "Just amazing." John McKenzie was in our church at Goodwood years ago, and what a joy to hear that he's an elder now. So maybe just uh, pass on a greeting from Roland Eskenazi uh, on to John McKenzie. Uh, thanks, Jacques. Um, guys, maybe just in closing, um, uh, either one of you can answer, but why should a listener living near your church consider visiting you? Um, uh, like like uh, ring a bell and call people in. <laughs> yeah, we're, look, we're a, a loving community of Christ followers. And, you know, some of the the values that we hold in high esteem are honesty, transparency, and authenticity so if people are looking for a place where they where they where they will be loved where they'll be able to be part of a family where there's honesty authenticity transparency then they're welcome to join our church and also as has been mentioned uh, by by glenn um you know teaching the bible properly is is something that we hold in high esteem uh, and so you know we're a bible believing bible-based church that we we want to handle the word of God correctly, um, so there's no holds barred. Like if it's in the Bible, we are sticking to it. So if that's the kind of you know church that you want to be part of, then please do join us. And we're a family church, uh, you know, uh, people you know of all ages, and we just like we love getting together and and sharing and 
having our, our family lunches on the first Sunday of every month. And so, yeah, so people are welcome to come in and, and join and just and just be part of an authentic, loving community. Thanks, Jacques. Uh, I have also put your guys' website address, which is edenvale.church, into the comments uh, on the Facebook thread uh, as well. Glenn, uh, maybe just a final comment. Yeah, I just wanted to just say, I just want to ring the bell for the, the, the name is Edenville Community Church. Yes. It really is a community. Uh, even though we are still members at Witchwood and I've just come in to assist, it feels like we're part of the family. And uh, it's, the, the, you know, it, it just come in, welcome, open arms, your first time there. We, we There's chairs that need to be packed out and put away. They're like, no, no, you're here the first time. You don't touch, you know, just fellowship and, and be with us and, and, and enjoy the community. Cool. And so if people out there are looking for a church where they want to feel part of the community, uh, maybe because it's so easy in the big church just to become a number and in the back row and everybody misses you, uh, that doesn't happen at even though community. You really do feel part of the community, part of the family. Even if you're only there once, uh, you leave feeling loved. So that's, well, Jackie that's, says it's a blessing to be part of such a loving and caring community uh, on Facebook. Llewellyn reminds me that not everyone is on Facebook, Pastor Mark, with three exclamation marks. What we will do is, as we podcast the show, we will make sure that all the various different links that we've spoken about today are in the show, whether it's the biographies to Jonathan Edwards, mm. whether it is uh, links to uh, Sam Storm's article uh, and others. Uh, we'll, we'll try and make sure that everything is in the link. Uh, as the podcasts go out but I do want to say thank you to both uh, Glenn and to Jacques for joining us today and introducing us to Inville Community Church thanks guys I uh, really appreciate the engagement we're, we're so coming much. thank you Mike, so much guys. God bless we're coming close to the top of the hour folks which means it's 11 o'clock and time for us to draw to a close the show for today um, maybe just to say that you've been listening to Table Talk with me, your host Mark, together with Peter, and we will be going to news shortly. And so until next week, Friday, walk wisely, live holy, and testify zealously. God bless.